This podcast is sponsored by Same Day STD Testing, the nation's number one STD STI testing company, offering fast, private, and confidential STI testing nationwide. You can speak to a counselor by calling 844-332-2461. Thanks for listening to the Sexpectations podcast. On today's show, we will be talking to Sam Juan about homosexuality, the HIV stigma, all this and more. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello everyone. It's been so long since I've been here to talk to you guys. I um, have been on a little hiatus, so I apologize for that. But I am back and with a very, very special guest. So I'm super excited about this episode because I think it's going to be super educational for so many people. Um, So we have San Juan here today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming, being here, sharing your life with us. You're very welcome. (laughs) So San Juan is an advocate in the community. Um, advocating for a healthy sex life for many, um, making sure individuals are getting tested, correct, and also um, keeping the stigma or stomping on the stigma on the HIV stigma. Yes. Right. Um, so tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm 41 years old. I moved here four years ago. Um, I'm just now to the point to where I'm comfortable with my sexuality. Um, I love sex and um, I wish that the black community um, mostly was comfortable with sex and to discuss it and to be more open-minded when it comes to topics of discussion around sex and STDs and HIV stigma so thank you yes that's awesome I love sex too honey okay (laughs) (laughs) I love sex and I've, I've been loving sex since I was seven wow no trauma yeah I just started touching my pussy. Nothing wrong with that. And I love the way it felt, and I've been touching my pussy ever since. Wow. Okay, so I love sex too. I knew I was gay at the age of seven. I knew something was different then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point there because mm-hmm. um, so many I see um, talk about like, oh, would you let your child do this, or would you let your child wear fingernail polish? Mm-hmm. Oh, just like. Um, Dwayne Wade's son yes. with the crop top that was yeah. such a huge deal. I love them for allowing their them their son to express himself. And oh my god, me too. Yeah, he has the best parents ever. He absolutely does. Because, <laughs> and I mean, it's giving me chills right now just even thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. imagine, I don't know how they took him to Pride too. He went to. I have never been to like Pride, Florida. He went to like the really good Prides. I'm kind of yeah. jealous of that. I'm 41 and I've never been, so Pride he's New living York his best life. Too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because Pride New York is on Bravo. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looked pretty dope. And um, I go to Pride St. Louis all the time, and I absolutely enjoy myself. I'll see you there next summer. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I enjoy myself. I enjoy the people. I used to think I was lesbian. Or no, not lesbian, but bisexual for a long time. Okay. I thought that I liked women because I would watch lesbian porn and get mm-hmm. turned on. So I had this thing where, oh, okay, I like women. Okay. But then when I executed in real life, <laughs> I was like, I'm not eating no pussy. <laughs> I can't eat pussy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not bisexual, but I am an ally all day. Have you ever thought about being pansexual, perhaps? And remind me of the definition. A pansexual falls in love with the person, the personality. It's not about their gender or their look. So... Um, yeah, it wouldn't be for me. I, I do not care for women. Okay. On any level. There's nothing wrong with that. You yeah. like what we like what we like. We like what we like and I and I like men. So it's I do of, too. Yes. Just <laughs> 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 is what it is. Okay. Yes. Um, so I know you brought up a little bit about knowing since you were seven. Yes. Right? Yeah. That you were homosexual. So um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what are some of the feelings <clears throat> that you feel at that age? Well, back then, things were different. First off, I come from a diversely mixed family. Um, my mother's black, black, white, Indian. My grandmother's black and Indian. My grandfather was white. He died when she was two. My grandmother remarried. My step-grandfather, he was white. So, um, I grew up in a house of alcoholics. My mother left when I, at a very early age in my life. And um, I just remember my girl cousins having dolls and sitting in a circle and wanting to play with them and their dolls. And when I possibly approached that party, my grandmother completely shut it off really fast. Uh, so, 
Yeah. Okay. Boys never wore pink. We never played with dolls. Um, we had footballs and basketballs. We were very rough and played outside, and we were sheltered from anything that was feminine, I'd say. Mm-hmm. However, um, due to the fact that I was trapped and not being able to express myself, I also love gymnastics, and they figure like gymnastics is a women's sport where I come from. And the guys will be playing football, and the ball will be coming my way. I'm supposed to catch it and make a touchdown, and I'm doing a backhand spring and a backflip. And now I'm getting <laughs> called a faggot by my brothers and my cousins. So, yeah. Okay, and so how old were you when you was like, fuck this shit, I'm coming out? Okay, well, before all of that happened, I'll backtrack some. Okay. Um, I had my very first um, sexual experience. It was, my innocence was taken away by my step-grandfather. Yeah, so I was molested. And I didn't know it was wrong at the time when it was happening, but I remember when it stopped. And how old were you at that point? Um, I would say in between the second and the third grade, perhaps. Yeah. And I wonder if step-grandpa saw that maybe you were had more feminine tendencies and i don't know if that was it i honestly think that he was just sick because like he's a pedophile like um i wouldn't i don't know like people who do that do that kind of thing those kinds of things a rapist and a pedophile in my book um i feel like they're very sick people Mm -hmm. so very true yes yeah so, okay, so, so you lost your innocence, unfortunately. Yes. And then at that point... Um, I don't know if it was a comfort zone with men or what, because I've always been attracted to, like, the cutest girl and the cutest guy in my class growing up. And even to this day, I notice the first cutest person, like the woman or the man, if I'm in a building or walking to the grocery store, I just notice what I'm attracted to. Okay. So... Yeah, I might be bisexual trapped inside of me a little bit somewhat, too. Because you like pretty women. (laughs) Yeah, I just get, it's a fear I have when I have sex with a woman. I have to be like shit-faced, drunk, and high as hell. Really? Yes, and then it's just like, if I'm I'm like sober, if that's the word you want to use, um, it's like being molested almost. When I'm approached by a woman mentally, due to the fact I probably... um, have it ingrained in my head that I'm a fag or whatever trauma I experienced as a child. It just has blocked that um, comfort zone. Or even, like I said, the experience I had from the very first encounter. However, I have friends who were molested um, by men, very close men in their family, who I was in treatment with, and they have women, wives and children. So, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think I really don't want to blame that encounter on my sexuality. I yeah. honestly feel it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, we like what we like, and um, now that's water under the bridge. I accept it all. I'm stronger. I'm empowered, and it doesn't control me. So yeah, yeah. And so and so <clears throat> moving forward. Um, so you were in the second or third grade, yes. and um, then you had that happen. Yep. And so I know that was a big blow for you. Well, yeah, the, the the deep thing about it is like it was swept under the rug. Um, my, because did you tell? Did my you grandmother tell caught him. Oh, she caught him? Yeah, uh-huh. and I got the blame. I got the blame. I was going to hell. My skin was going to fall off. Dinosaurs were going to eat my flesh, and I would never be able to die. It was oh. terrible. Yeah. And are your, are your, are your grandparents, they raised you, are they here? No, they're not. Um Throughout this process, you know, my grandfather passed away in eighth grade. I was the honorable pallbearer. When we put him to lay down, I forgave him completely then. Um, And my grandmother died in 2013. And I I totally forgave her. I I forgave her before her death. Um, I knew that she was an alcoholic. She had been an alcoholic throughout the entire part of my life. So I felt like she may have experienced some trauma or knew some things that had happened before I was even here, you mm-hmm. know, and um, she just didn't know how to deal with it then. Not making an excuse for her whatsoever, but um, what I've noticed a lot from hearing people share about being molested, like um, the pedophile always gets to be, um, they don't out the pedophile, but they'll out the gay person in the family. Mm-hmm. It's like they hide that sick person and then they want to make the gay person like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Or this sinful one, or you know, yeah, yeah. So and they want to keep the pedophile as like the victim. Well, I I wouldn't say the victim. They just keep it 
quiet. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, why would you? And it probably wasn't the first time. Like Um, you said, yeah, she probably seen it happen before to someone else. I don't know if she's seen it happen before. I can't answer that. However, I know that um, I'm probably skipping topics now. But um, at 27, I had a suicide attempt. Right, I was on drugs really bad. I didn't know how to deal with the feelings I had. I had never acted out and had sex with a man um, on my own. But I always felt the desire to, and um, I had a suicide attempt because I felt like I was something was wrong with me. I just didn't want to. I didn't know how to tell anybody how I felt. I didn't want my brothers to be. I didn't want to be a disgrace to them or my family. And um, <laughs> I remember waking up from the suicide attempt, and my mother was there, and she's hurt, crying, and she was like, she seen her baby. She didn't see her grown ass twenty seven year old son. Mm-hmm. She was looking at me like I was her baby, and she was like, "What is wrong with you? What 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 is it that would possess you to do something like this?" And I had told her, I was like, "Your your step grandfather, your stepfather molested me when I was little." Um, I actually was a little bit angry with her because I blamed her throughout this process my whole life for not being in my life, and I felt if she would have been there, she could have protected me. Um, today, though, I totally respect her and I love her. I know she did the best that she could at the time, mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with her. So, yeah, yeah, or and you have exactly. And I'm not, I'm no longer um, a victim either. Mm-hmm. So I'm a survivor now. Yeah, so I'm so very happy be. to be where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, um, so then once you had this happen to you in, in second, third grade, mm-hmm. and then moving forward from that. Um, did you decide to fully come out at some point? Or no, you, know, you want me to tell you the funny thing is no one had a clue. I was, I was like, you would have never known I was gay back then. Uh-huh. I, I hid it very well. I didn't act out. Um, even though I did like gymnastics, I was very athletic. I loved all sports, basketball, football, baseball, volleyball was my favorite, swimming, tumbling, all that. I was the mascot for the high school, for Paola High School in Kansas, and, um, I had all the cheerleaders. I would throw them up in the air. My brothers and cousins would be like so jealous because I could look underneath their skirts. And like I wasn't even looking up underneath their skirts. I was just like doing my job yeah. and holding the girls up and catching them when they came down, you know. And I had fun. Like I lost myself behind the mask of the mascot. So I wore a lot of masks throughout my entire life to hide my sexual identity and the way I felt. So um, yeah, throughout high school. Um, grade school, I had girlfriends, we kids, then we get in high school, and um, it goes past the kids now, people want to have sex, and I was like the oldest virgin ever, I, I would never allow anyone to undress me, or take me there sexually, right, mm-hmm. so I was holding a sacred vow to myself, and to my future wife, was the story that I preached to everyone, you know, mm-hmm. while all my little brothers and cousins, younger brothers and cousins were all losing their virginity and um, getting these pats on the backs and high fives. And you're this uh, macho, uh, what's the word I want to use? Toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't favored so highly as they were, you know. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So you never really had a coming out point. Not until 27, after the suicide attempt. So, oh, really? Uh, it's funny, yeah. Wow. So, um, I remember I, got, I went to treatment. Like I said, I was on drugs bad. I never dealt with the molestation. So, everything, I numbed myself. I numbed my homosexuality. I numbed the molestation. I numbed the neglect, the abandonment, all that. So, at 27, I go to treatment. And while I'm in treatment, um, the guy who was my roommate, um, we got really close, okay? And he, we learned to be honest about things that we had gone through. That's how you help yourself get healthy yeah. again. And uh, I shared my experience with him and then comes to find out he's crying and he tells me his father molested him. And like, we had so much in common, even though I was black and he was white and like the similarities is what attracted us to each other friendship wise and he was a heterosexual male even though he was molested he had a wife he had three kids and he never dealt with the molestation either that's why the drugs took him to where we met I feel like it was on it was meant to be yeah we built Mm -hmm. each other up and um we became stronger and that at that moment in time and um there was a lot of acceptance because that's when I found out that you know um I wasn't a willing participant I was a victim then however since we passed that stage, we, we are now survivors because yeah. 
we empowered one another and freed ourselves of that bondage and mm -hmm. I let a lot of things go. Yeah. And so when you were on that bed and your mom saw her baby, yes. right? Is that when you were like, Yes, I was molested, yes, I'm a gay man. Well, um, I tried to tell her then. Once again, I'm trying to tell you it's difficult um, being, I don't, I'm not going to try to like put a color on it. I just know like white men who are homosexual, they have, they have it way better. Like it's socially acceptable in their community. They don't get scrutinized and, and, and jumped on and kicked out of their families as much as the black, um, community. black community does. So. Um, I struggled with it. So once again, tw at, um, I had another suicide attempt, and that's when everything came out. Um, it's funny because um, after this one, I went to treatment again, and I'm on my pass, and I go to my sister-in-law's house. My brother's in prison now, and um, I tell her that I'm gay. I didn't, com I didn't just like tell her I'm gay. I'm like trying to talk to her and I couldn't get the words to come out of my mouth and I'm crying and she's like, what is wrong? And then I finally say it and once I said it, I was like, oh my God, I said it and I had to like hear it for myself and she was like, it's okay. You know, she was the very first person I told. She was, she was a nurse. She said, it's going to be okay. She wrote my brother a letter in prison and told him that I had came out the closet and my brother's like, what the fuck is he doing in the closet? Is he high? <laughs> It was so funny when I found out this, um, his reaction. And, uh, you know, when he got out of prison, it was my first time seeing my little brother and my truth being exposed. And he loved me. And my brothers protected me, all three of them. Mm -hmm. I'm the big brother, and my little brothers protected me. And they would not let anybody disrespect me, dog me, talk to me crazy. Now, they would, when we got into it, they would say, like, the most hurtful blows, but... I could deal with that. So. Yeah, that's that's a good feeling. That gives yeah. me chills because yeah. it's nothing like having the support of family. Yeah. Um. So you came out, and fortunately, your brothers were there for you. What about yes. your mom? Your My brother? mother was there. You know, the funny thing is that um, the year that I came out, my father, I hadn't seen him in like almost 20 years. He just pops up. Um, we are, we're from California, and he's in Kansas, and uh, he's... Uh, in our environment like he's always been absent in our life and um i had told him that i was gay and he said that i'm still san juan cappy jr and i'm his son Aww. you know and he loves me but the weird thing is that um i had just found out some things that were very detrimental in my life that i was keeping secret and i didn't know how to disclose it at this time and he was just giving me heads up on protecting myself from HIV. Like when you go get your haircut, make sure they sanitize the clippers and blah, blah, blah. He had no clue of what I was dealing with on the inside. And he was giving me misinformation at this time. And basically it really pushed my truth down. It, it made me bury my truth even further because I had just been exposed to the HIV virus during the time of him coming. Like two weeks prior, I found out my status. So I know earlier you told me that you found out you were HIV positive two years after you came out. Correct. So around 30? I was 20, yep, 27 when I came out. So yeah, around 30. Okay. Yes. And so so take us there. So you... I just celebrated 11 years, or my, excuse me, my 10-year anniversary on November 17th of this year. Oh, awesome. So, yes. Yep. That's amazing. Thank so you. you so you have been HIV positive for ten years. Yes. And so the so how um so when you were exposed, was it mm -hmm. just a lover of yours or the funny thing is that I came out in two thousand and seven and two thousand nine, I'm HIV positive. I never had anybody talk to me about HIV. Mm -hmm. At my school, we were I come from a very good school, um, and upbringing in the country. Um, we had sex ed. I knew how to protect myself and things of that nature. I knew how I'd like to, not to get someone pregnant by using a condom. Right. But we didn't talk about gay sex. It was all heterosexual, you know? So like, I can't get a man pregnant, so I can, why use a condom? Well, I need a condom. Yeah, right. and I wasn't thinking. Like, okay. you know, I wasn't taught anything about homosexuality, HIV, or any of that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, Within that time frame, I had met this guy, and um, 
me and him started hanging out or whatever. He was from Panama, and I was infatuated with him. We had good sex. Oh, my God, he was hung from here to Jerusalem. <laughs> but I was a top then. So okay. it was like a windshield wiper going across my face every time we do it. Uh-huh. So anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> we're just having like all this beautiful, toxic-ass sex. Because it was toxic. Yeah. It was a lot of alcohol involved. And I was trying to like be comfortable with being gay for the first time. And it was like, you know, I was always taught that homosexuality was a sin. It's like the lowest sin in the Bible. And everything done in the dark will come to the light. So I had to suppress and numb oh, those, those feelings with alcohol, yeah, in order to have now, an encounter. Now, is this who you lost your virginity to as well? He, he's the guy. He was my very first encounter, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, and this was 2007. In 2009, when I found out my status, me and him broke up six months later after we had broken up. I had a, would go online and escort. I was an escort, so I was a sex worker during this time. And um, I would meet a lot of rich Johns who would take me out, treat me good, pay me nice. And uh, I remember I knew something was wrong, right? I knew something was wrong with me. At nighttime, I'd go to bed and it was like a, um, the end, like, when your radiator's going out and your car stays hot. Mm -hmm. It was the same way I felt on the insides. It was like the coolant couldn't cool me off mm -hmm. at nighttime. I'd have these night sweats and um, being fearful of going to get an STD test, I just drank and drank and drank and used drugs for quite some time. And I remember one night when I was in treatment, I was about to graduate this treatment facility. There was a lot of drug treatment with me in my mm -hmm. story. However, um, it was the weekend I was graduating. I go on my pass, and um, first off, 14 days before this, I submit um, a blood test at this um, clinic in Kansas. Mm -hmm. And they said, call us back in 14 days. And me being an addict, I wanna know everything right now, so I called on the 13th day. And they were like, oh my God, we need you to come in immediately. I knew something was bad, right? I'm contemplating on how I'm going to end my life right now, right? I'm like, it's over with for me. I'm going to die. I have AIDS or HIV. Even though I didn't have the confirmatory then, I knew it. So I get on the bus, and I'm listening to all Whitney Houston music. Like, she saved me this day, and she kept my spirit calm. I go in there. These ladies come out and tell me. They were two white ladies I'll never forget. They tell me, San Juan, you have HIV, and we need more blood from you. I fell on the floor. Um, I couldn't breathe. Because all these times where I tried to commit suicide to end my life, when I heard it verbally come out of their mouth that I had HIV, all of a sudden I want to live. And I'm fighting for every breath that I couldn't take at that time, right? So, and they just let me lay on the floor. So I thought I was like this dirty, nasty person, right? So um, I gather myself and I get up. I give them the blood that they needed. I go to treatment. And I couldn't tell anybody my news, right? So, um... It was a. It was very dark then. However, um, moving fast forward, once I found out my status, I would only mess around with men online who were HIV positive because okay. I didn't have to disclose to them. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Same Day STD Testing, the nation's number one STD STI testing company offering fast, private, and confidential STI testing nationwide. You can speak to a counselor by calling 844-332-2461. Um, the black community is very, very, very disrespectful and misinformed and uneducated where I come from. And um, I've seen people who were positive or had AIDS, how they were treated especially by the gay community. Um, long story short, before I found out my status when I was negative, they keep negative people staying in a bubble to where we um, exclude anybody who's dirty. They can't get inside of your network, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, we would teach each other, don't mess with him when we went out. He got the package and he got the shit and watch out for that one there. And I remember being that guy in the, in the inside of this circle and pointing people to help save the people that are in the circle with me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when you get outside that fucking box, baby, it's rough. Um, you lose everything. You lose your support network. You lose all your friends. You lose your confidence. You lose your mind. You lose your spirit. It's like you have to. It's like the world comes to an end, and you feel completely isolated and lost. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now, back when you, back, because you're about 10 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. So, back when you uh, contracted HIV, was it the same medication that they have now available? Um, <clears throat> when I first found out, they were just now getting the non-nukes and prohibitors and all that type of stuff. So, the medicine had gotten to the point to where it wasn't like the AZTs, where the medicine that the 80s and early 90s population of people took, which mm-hmm. made them even sicker, it was like what they would give cancer patients. Oh, okay. And you'd have all these side effects to where some of the people would get the elephant man syndrome from and body modification. Like their bo- the medicine would just make your body and neck bulge and do all these weird things. It was very tough and painful mm-hmm. for people there were so many people when they found out their status and they knew how the medicine was that they refused to take the medicine and they died faster because the medicine, for them to take the medicine, it was it was like worse than death, I guess, from what I've experienced and heard from the stories I previously heard. However, when I found out, um, there was a hope, okay? I never knew anything about HIV or AIDS um, back then. If you found out you were positive, they had to let your CD4 drop down to 500. Okay. That's your uh, levels. Your levels. Like a healthy person, in, a healthy person CD4 count is in between 700 to 1,000 and something. Is that okay? like your red blood cells? Or? Yeah, it's the cells that fight infection. Oh, okay. So basically, um, anybody who has 200 or below, that's an AIDS patient. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found out mines, I was like 1,100 and something. However, they weren't going to put me on the medicine because state regulations, you have to let your... CD4 count dropped to 500. And when they told me this, I was like, so you want me to get sicker sicker and to let this virus produce more copies and take over my body? I didn't know the language then, but I, I, I knew that something had to be done. Of course, I showed my ass in that office and before I left, they were showing me this video to basically teach me how to marry this drug. Like you have to take it every day. And I made a sacred vow that I would take this pill every day for the rest of my life. Um, I continued to go in and do blood work and I went from being HIV positive with a high viral load to the next month I came in, the viral load is getting lower that month after it it was even lower. And the third month I went in, three months after hearing my diagnosis, I was undetectable, which means untransmittable, which means I'm healthy. Um, I can have sex, condomless sex, and I can't transmit the virus and I've been undetectable for the last 10 years. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, It's been an amazing journey. In the beginning, I would use the resources that were available for people who were positive. And um, I was ashamed, of course, I wouldn't take any of the literature home with me, the studies or information that would empower me. I would leave it there because I didn't want people knowing my business. And I'm just grateful that today I advocate for my community. I stand up for um, the black community and like I'm here and in order to kill stigma you got to kill the prejudice first and people don't understand like that's where the stigma comes in is from the prejudice and um, nobody intentionally goes out and catches HIV to get infected there are a few people who you would call a bug chaser who would do it intentionally for housing and things of that nature but it's very rare for someone to want to try to catch HIV and um I'm happy now through people who advocate and through tantrums and did things like I did when they found out their status that now you immediately get put on a a medicine the day you find out. So you immediately start to suppress the virus and you're healthy. And so talk a little bit about that. So this is a pill that you have to take every single day. Yes. And then if you do not take it, then your viral load just starts to go back up. It'll go back up if you skip pills. I've never, I don't miss doses. I'm very adherent to my medicine. Um, I've changed different meds because newer meds are cleaner. Um, I just recently got off this one that was making me gain weight, right? Mm. I'm like, no, because <laughs> in the gay world, if you're fat, if you're fat and feminine, they put you in this other box called no fats, no films, right? And me know. being 41, I got to like keep my body together. And um, I was like, why am I gaining all this damn weight? I was like, the last four years, I just know this drastic increase in weight. And I was thinking... It's because I'm clean now. I just celebrated four years clean on November 7th of oh, this year. Oh, congratulations. No drinking, thank you. No hoeing, no <gasps> cigarettes, 
No drugs, none of that, right? So you have an intentional sex nowadays. Yeah. Okay. I was scared to death. Very. I went three. Okay. I went two years, two weeks, and two days, and I had sex with this white guy. I took STD classes with him at St. Louis Separate for AIDS. I've only been with white men. Where I come from, everybody right. black was related or mixed. I'm related to them. Mm-hmm. So I only knew that in the country, right? So living here in St. Louis, I was like, I was scared to death of being with the brother. I don't know what it was, but it was foreign to me, and it was a culture shock when I moved here. Yeah. The funny thing is me living here 90 days. I moved here November 14th of 2015. 90 days of me living here, I was in Walgreens, and I seen this guy come in with dreads, and he looked like a god. I was like, oh, my God. And he's a brother, so I'm like, wow, I'm, like, attracted to my own people now. And it was like a spiritual awakening. I called my mom. I'm like, Mom, Grandma was tripping because we were raised. If it ain't white, it ain't right. My grandmother dated white men only. She believed that. And so was your step-grandfather a white man? Yeah. Yes. So that core belief has changed. And the funny thing is me being here three years, three months, three weeks, and three days, I swear to God, my higher power has a... A, a unique gift with me in days and numbers. <laughs> I had my very first encounter with a black guy, and um, it was like two planets colliding together and making a universe. And it's the <laughs> truth. It's the truth. Once you go black, you never go back. Take my <laughs> words for this. I stand on it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> so you have an intentional sex nowadays. Yes. No drinking, no smoking. None. And it's amazing. I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, the funny thing is that I've always thought I was a top, okay? So I never did any anal play. And let's, for, for those that don't know, so mm-hmm. top, it means that you're do, doing, you're getting penetrated. You're, no, you're doing the penetration. Yeah, you're... You're sticking. You're pitcher. And put it like this, it's like baseball. A top is the pitcher, so the bottom catches. Okay. Okay? Okay. You get it? Got that. Okay. <laughs> So a top basically is the one who uses their penis. The bottom is the one who likes the anal aspect of it. Then um, I considered myself me today. I don't like using labels because if I'm attracted to you, we can do whatever. Right. Like I don't want to be stuck to a label or anything. Mm-hmm. And then you verse. Verse are people who flip flop so they can play. They just like sex and they're going to do whatever, whatever you guys want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But some people do stick to a certain position position or labeling so and yeah. so nowadays you said the the brother made you go oh yeah i, I went around i've never went before um okay. and i fell in love okay. yeah i'm big old bottom right now <laughs> <laughs> a masculine bottom i love it but, i love it too yeah so that's what's up so now um tell us about uh, where you are, where you're working at, okay. and how you all help the community. Okay, so the funny thing is that this weekend I'm going on a retreat with CWP, which is a drop-in center downtown, on, down here in Olive. It's like a little further down from you guys. Awesome. And it's, it's where you go drop? No, no, it's a drop-in center, so it's where you can go do STD testing. Oh, okay, I didn't know about but this one. Is they, it free? Yes, it's oh, free. Cool. Everything's okay. free. So uh, the first year that I was here... Um, for me going to see my primary care physicians, they wanted me to start um, having encounters with my people, okay? Yeah. So I can get comfortable with my sexuality in the black community because it was yeah. so hard for me and I seen how people are treated. So anyways, this year they took, this one year they took us guys um, all the way to Lake of the Ozarks for the weekend. They wind and dined us down with the five-star meals and hotel and all the anemones and above and all this. So I was with gay men. I was with transgendered women. I was with flamboyant gay men. I was with masculine gay men. I had never had this type of encounter in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put myself around gay people. I didn't have gay friends like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and something happened that weekend. I was empowered. I didn't want the weekend to end. And I kept going back to the events at this um, organization would invite me to taboo Thursdays. We would have open topic discussions or we would learn about um, new drugs that are coming out that are healthy for us. Um, just anything that would empower black queer men and um, and how to better our community. So this weekend I'm volunteering with the agency that took me three years ago to help a new group of guys to Aww. empower them. This Friday we come back Sunday. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, I work for Williams and Associates Drop-In Center. I have no degree. Um, my boss and them seen something in me. 
that I didn't see in myself. I was volunteering at this agency for over a year. And um, he said that my degree is my lived experience because I can reach a population that they can't reach. Mm -hmm. Um, I help addicts um, who need, I I help people who have a drug misuse um, disorder and um, service the HIV AIDS community. community. And um, we do a lot of outreach and take a holistic approach to minority healthcare. So I love my job. I'm a, a peer specialist for Let's Be Clear. It's a program we have for black queer men, 18 through 29. We pay them to go through a five week um, session with us to become their ideal self. So it's basically like empowering this person to get to where they want to be. Um, I love it. It's, the, it's been the best opportunity that has arised since I've been here. So, it's like, so it definitely sounds to me like your um, pain became your purpose. Yes. And it's so inspiring because I feel like all of us humans, mm-hmm. right, like our purpose here on earth is to get back to our true self. Yes. Like who we were divinely put here to be. And some of us have to go through some sort of big traumatic event Mm -hmm. in order to get there. And everybody has that thing in their life. Like for you, it was HIV. For Mm -hmm. me, um, it was uh, really starting masturbating at seven. Yeah. Which I know doesn't sound huge to many, but it was traumatic Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, right? So everybody has that thing. Yes. You know, to take them back. Yeah, and I mean, I'm very passionate with what I do. Like, I've, since I've had this job here, it's over. It's been quite some time. I have not worked one day. Mm-hmm. I get up and I like. I'm like, it's, I'm not dreading getting dressed right. and going. I love what I do. Um, I, there's this fire that's inside of my drive. We just um, a few Sundays back, St. Louis became a fast track city, so we've linkage to care with other states and. Um, there's going to be a cure soon. I know some things I that I can't discuss. It has to be. Just make sure you take care of our bees. That's all I'm going to say. What's that mean? They have a gift for us. Bees? Yes. Oh, the bees. The, the honey bees. bees. The birds and the bees. Okay. See, you know what's funny? How they teach us about the birds and the bees? <laughs> and the bees is what's going to save us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to give you an inside scoop. So there's a study being done right now with people who are HIV positive. They've been giving these folks bee venom, and the virus isn't showing up whatsoever. The funny thing is that I took an HIV test a month ago. I was training my coworker how to administrate, administer a test, and I allowed him to use me as his guinea pig. And when he took my blood sample and he put the solution on that activates the test to see if there's HIV antibodies or anything in it, it came back negative. Mm-hmm. I took a picture of it. I posted it on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it really gives me hope. Yeah. Um, the thing that I wanted to share with you tonight, though, is that I'm very grateful and honored today to be a walking testimony of yeah. being HIV positive because yeah. I don't hold my head down. I'm not shameful anymore. I respect it. Um, it doesn't have me. I have HIV. I and I'm grateful that it's not my brother, it's not my mother, or someone close to me like that. I don't think I could have handled them carrying that weight. So I'm very mm-hmm. grateful that I get to, you know, carry this and... Um, it doesn't hold me down anymore. Yeah. It just gives me life. It propels you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> because, honey, you give me all the life Thank on Facebook. <laughs> and um, I'm a hot ass mess yes. on Facebook, but I mean, yeah, it's all fun. It, it is all fun, and it inspires so many. Because Thank I you. actually, I don't know if you know, but I have a group in, on Facebook called Pussy Trauma. Yeah, and I have about ten thousand women in this group. Okay, and so the last one of the last things you shared, it said, um, it said something like. If you out here sucking pussy. Oh, my God. On the chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis post. Yes. That thing went viral. It got shared like over 45 times because you got to speak to them in their language. That's right. You can't speak to us in um, doctor's terms or being politically correct. That's right. You got to get down and get nitty gritty and talk just like us. And that's how people get a chance to live. You know how many people came into that damn office I work at to be treated. And I'm happy because people were saying like their aunt shared this on Facebook and the woman showing me my damn post and like it's it's anonymous so I can't say anything Mm -hmm. at all because of the agency that I work for but it really touched me. I'm about to cry. It really touched me deep inside that 
I don't have to hide behind fear and not open my mouth to help my people. And, and these things aren't topics of discussion in the black community, in the black household. And this is what we need to talk about. Fuck, right. that, fuck that blunt and that drink. Let's talk about healthy sex or have you been screened and what's going on? And that's what happened. I shared it in pussy trauma because I'm always telling my ladies, yes. y'all go get tested. And um, they were like, oh, he's so cool. I followed him on Facebook. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's what all the comments were. So I was like, wow. yeah. And I was like, he's going to be on my podcast soon. <laughs> I love you. You're adorable. Thank you. Yes. So I'm just so happy that, you know, we have another voice here. Yeah. I had um, Lexi. I don't know if you know her. But Lexi Brinker, she's also HIV positive, mm-hmm. and she's been HIV positive for about five years now. I do know Lexi. Um, she contracted it from her guy that she was in a relationship mm-hmm. with. So, yeah, I feel like I know you and her, but you both are like advocates you yes. know, here in the black community. Yeah. And we need that for yeah. our young people. We do. And, and, and something that I do want to talk about... Um, Am I moving ahead of myself? No, we talk not. about the DL aspect of it. Oh uh, no, I, I didn't know if you know we were gonna bring it up. But yeah, yeah we can. We talk so about I it. really do not like the word DL. Honestly, um, I feel sorry for those brothers if you want to call them down low. It's because the black community stigmatizes them and they can't be themselves. It's I know so like a white man can be bisexual. I'm not trying to use color at all because I'm not. I'm not. Prejudice by no means. I discriminate evenly when I'm being mistreated, though. However, I know that in the black community, black men have to stand up to this image that we portray them to have. Okay, you're raised to be like this and to do this, and it's not okay for them to be bisexual. It's not okay for a black man to honestly talk about it in public about playing with his ass and feeling okay mm-hmm. and liking it and. And a lot of black men do. Like, I know this. Like, just yeah. just like all the women who have sex with women, we praise women mm-hmm. for doing that. And it's so sad how women and men will, like, when it's reversed, like, when a guy does that, it's taboo. Or I don't understand it. Yeah. And it's not gay. I right. mean, he's bisexual. He likes right. women. And he obviously likes to have sex with men. And it is, just <clears throat> not to put you off, but it is even some straight man, hetero yes. man, that yeah. likes their ass play. With. Yeah. That's, and women even. Like they they like their wife to play they, with their anus. Right. I've seen it. Videos, yeah. And, and even women will say, my man bet not ask for that. That's gay. It's not gay. I mean, he's going to go somewhere else to get it done, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, if you love him enough, you should have a talk with your partner. And I know it's going to be a no for a lot of people, but if, if that's something that stops you, like, I'm never going to let somebody stop me from being my sexual self. Okay? Right. As long, and, then, and then these women get with these toxic-ass men, and they don't watch their children around these guys. Like, you talk about all these gay people. But you don't watch your kids enough to protect them either. Because it's sad out here and it's a lot of sick people out here who do all these nasty things. But you're focusing on the wrong thing. Exactly. Focus on raising your kids right. Teach them, hey, if somebody's touching you here or doing these, come tell somebody. Yeah, tell me. And what were you going to say? You kind of stopped yourself. Oh, about the deal? Well... You you were gonna you were about to say something about in the white culture men can be bi openly bisexual. Yeah, I have so many friends where I come from. It's and first off, their wives give them permission to go out and have sex as long as they're on prep. Okay. Okay. Prep is a pill you take daily that shields your CD4 cells. It makes a bubble around that cell to where HIV the HIV virus can't penetrate it. And Even if you sleep with somebody that's HIV positive that has high viral loads. Yeah, but see, someone who knows that they're HIV positive is going to be virally suppressed because they're on medication. Right. It's the person who doesn't know, it's the person who swear mm-hmm. who who says that they're negative or doesn't say anything at all. They or don't know anything. Tested, they right? don't know anything about themselves who is going to be the one who's the high risk factor. Um but we'll get there one of these days. This younger generation is living their best life. I wish that I could have been in this era growing up. Cause what do you mean by that? Because I love seeing these um, younger children expressing themselves okay. and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was back in the old days. Yeah. It, and, and I'm glad that we're finally waking up. 
and talking um, about it. And, yeah. so, and I think social media is a part of it. It is. It's because a big people thing. can follow, you know, mm-hmm. on Instagram, you can find this person that's gay, openly yeah. gay, and you can find somebody that, that's like you, yeah. that looks like you, talks they empower like you, you. to yeah. empower you. Yep. And that's what, you know, I really, I kind of grew up in this generation. I'm mm-hmm. internet, I'm, I'm 29. So yeah. internet kind of was like my, yeah. you know, I grew up on it. So Black Planet, MySpace, all of that was like in my younger years. But I can get how, you know, having nobody that looks like you is yeah. kind of like, damn. And you know what's funny is that my deceased grandmother was telling me a long time ago, like, um, we talk about trans women all the time. And trans women and heterosexual black women, y'all fucking the same men. Y'all need to collectively come together, empower each other. Um, advocate for one another and and work together with um, getting tested and and sharing this experience strength and hope instead of down in one another and being jealous because there are some fine ass transgender women down here now you can't even clock them and they look better than the bitches that's talking bad about them you need to take notes sis take notes and ask her where she went and got this procedure done at because your ass is lopsided and hers is all the way together like and then, like, support each other because y'all's fucking the same men. It's so funny. Like, um, I have cousins who talk about me being gay, but we have transgender women, friends mutually in common. I'll never disclose that about my friends. Nigga, you over here thinking you all this. And, and, and look, like, I can easily eat him up for breakfast if he ever disrespected me. But it's so funny how, like, um, like, how how things are happening now. Women need to come together, though. Yeah. Black women and trans women need to stick together instead of um, hating on each other. And I also think that black women, they're just, they don't know. They don't know that it's okay to see through the worldview of another. Yeah. Okay? Like, yes, a trans woman, a woman <clears throat> is going to have a different worldview as a, as a, a cis woman is what we would mm-hmm. call it. Um, but I think that black women are just so closed off to heterosexual sex and just the hetero mindset. Mm-hmm. They don't even realize it's a problem. True. Um, the, the, the thing that I want to share with you, though, is that, you know, a lot of people talk about these transgendered women and men, and they don't know that they're two-spirited people. They were born, um, I forget, what's the word? I don't want to say homorphodite because I know a culturally competent word. Oh my goodness, I just went through this well, training. Uh, and, and I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the word. It's like Shiva and Shakti. But see, like we were all born with that masculine and feminine energy. No, no, I mean like someone who's born with both sexes. Dual sex. I forget what it's called. But anyways, they have like the female and the male genitalia. Okay. And like back in the old days, they always made you make that person into a boy. Oh, okay. So these people are being born into a body that they're trapped in and they're living an identity that... It's not true to them and what they mentally, physically, emotionally feel. And you making that choice for this baby. Finally, they get old enough to where they get to freely express themselves. A lot of these people are born and, to, and, and their parents have decided what they're going to be and they're not. So um, I have a lot of friends that I've met since I've been here who found out from doing blood work in their 50s. They found out this in their 50s. They had no clue that they were a female, basically, until she went and got this blood work done. She's always wanted to be a woman, has always done drag. She's always, like, lived this fantasy life, and now she knows what she truly has been her whole entire life. Oh, my goodness. Yes, devastating. I bet that closed the the chapter, too. Yeah. You know? Um, So, well, that was amazing. Thank you for all of that. You're very welcome. I'm thankful for you to invite me on the show. Yeah, I appreciate that. And can you tell the people one more time where they can find you on social media, where they can come get (laughs) tested, all of that? Yes. Okay, so my name is San Juan, like the capital of Puerto Rico, S-A-N, capital J-U-A-N, Cappy, C-A-F as in Frank, E-Y-J-R is my Facebook I work for Williams and Associates Drop-In Center off 3737 North Kings Highway, Suite 204-206. We have another location called Rustin's Place at 1114 North Sarah Avenue. And we just opened a new facility called Safe, a Rustin's Place off 270 and Dunn. Ooh, I don't have the address. Oh, that's okay. Google it. You can Google it. And I can put it in the um, show notes. Cool. Yeah. Yes. And so you are... Everything is free, though. We, We do free... HIV, free hep C, free chlamydia, free gonorrhea, um, syphilis. 
And what I want to share before I leave is this. If you suck dick, you need to get your throat swabbed because gonorrhea, chlamydia will hide in your throat. You can give me a urine sample and I'll never catch chlamydia and gonorrhea in your urine, but it'll be in your throat. I'm just teaching you this. If you have any anal play, you need to get your anus swabbed so we can see if chlamydia gonorrhea is there. And if you're a heterosexual woman, we'll do a vaginal swab. And we don't like do the swabs uh, in the in those the places. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. We'll send you to the restroom. You'll swab your oh, okay. ass. You'll swab your ass or your pussy. <laughs> or we'll do your throat, you know, but we're not going to go into those other delicate spaces. Okay. So we allow you to do that yourself. So okay. um, always go beyond just giving your doctor a cup of urine. A lot of doctors are misinformed. They don't know how to speak to the audience that they serve. And you're just another body to them. Yeah. I mean, but we are sexual people and we do a lot of things right now and we have mm -hmm. a lot of fun and those areas need to be checked. And yeah. it's the nothing right to be afraid of. Like, yeah, if you have a foul odor discharge or something coming in, we treat you now at Williams and Associates on oh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from five to eight. And it's no cost to you whatsoever. Okay. It's a shot and two pills, depending on what it is that you have, no sex for a week. I know nobody's going to listen to that. Just wrap it up <laughs> and make sure they're protected. Why they can't wait, though? Yeah. That kills me. It's tough. It sometimes. Tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's not that tough. I don't judge them. I mean, I listen, I know. I know. Look, yeah. No, I remember I, had, I got, uh, me and my husband, we caught chlamydia at the same Time, okay. like when we just we had just started talking. And I don't mm -hmm. know if he gave it to me or I gave it to him. Yes. But at that seventh day, yeah, like we just, we <laughs> fireworks. <laughs> it's the Fourth of July. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that there's a lot of elderly people having sex right now. Um, HIV is really the the target population. Is this? It's black trans women. Um, first, it's black gay men, then black women then black trans women, that population is so small that they're actually higher in numbers than both combined. Um, uh, blacks from the age of 13 through 24 are the prime target that we want to reach now to prevent them from ever catching it. And, and the elderly, like I didn't know. You yeah. know what's funny is I gave my grandmother some, I don't want to call them female condoms, they're internal condoms, okay? So it's what okay. the woman puts inside of her so the man doesn't have to use a condom. I love my grandma enough. I had to talk with her in her bed. She's 85 years old. She got condom lubes, everything. <laughs> her, and I'm her favorite grandson. Like, I keep my grandma up to date. And I don't know what happens when I'm at work. I don't want to know. But well, you she's know, that older generation, they, they kind of missed the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have to go through that. Yeah. And they've been married. A lot of them are widowing now. True. And so now they're like, if I get an opportunity, I'm diving. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not strapping. And my grandma swear Vaseline does everything. I'm like, girl, bye. It's not a barrier. It's not going to shield. Just use these. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So thank you for that. And then I know y'all yes. don't do herpes. So if you need yeah. herpes, you can always call same day STD testing. Um, and, you know, we got your back. So uh, thanks, guys. Until next time, sex, sex, and more sex. <laughs> bye. This podcast is sponsored by Same Day STD Testing, the nation's number one STD STI testing company, offering fast, private, and confidential STI testing nationwide. You can speak to a counselor by calling 844 332 2461.